Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 39 of Bruins Beat brought to you by CLNS Radio. CLNS Radio is the leading online provider audio and video coverage of your favorite Boston sports teams. Follow CLNS on social media on Twitter at CLNS Radio, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And you can also download the CLNS Radio free mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. Or for Android, clnsradio.com slash Android and iOS, clnsradio.com slash iOS free. So for those of you that have followed the show since the, since the beginning or jumped on halfway through, and have been listening to ever since, uh, they'll know that today it's going to be just like old times. Just It's just me and Jason today. Kevin is on vacation for this week and for next week, so it'll just be me and Jason for these next two weeks. But we'll get by without him. Kevin's picking a perfect time to go on vacation because as Jason and I were talking about, throughout the week and today. This week's been a dud for the NHL. There's been nothing of significance happening, but you know what that happens. You know, there's, there's always that dry spell, especially in the middle of the summer when, you know, people go on vacation. They don't want to deal with, you know, NHL stuff, which is understandable. But Jason and I are here still talking NHL. And I figured Jason and I would have some fun with this show. And I think one of the things that's gone pretty unnoticed with the Bruins this year is the hiring of Bruce Cassidy as the assistant coach for the Bruins. And I know we touched on this quickly when it happened, and we talked about how it would be a good move for the defenseman because Bruce Cassidy, you know, bought his time down there in Providence. He seems to have a good, you know, repertoire with the young players. We figured that Claude Julien, you know, sometimes struggles with younger players. I felt like this was the right call. But I feel like it also was underrated in the sense that uh, I know Sweeney and you know, Neely have said that Julian's their guy, but I was—I wanted to say, does this put Julian on the hot seat? What do, What do you think, Jason? I think it does put him a little bit on the hot seat because it makes him, it places him in a position where he has to prove himself that the Bruins have to play better. At this point, Sweeney and Neely both know that their jobs are on the line, and if the Bruins don't make the playoffs, they're more than likely gone. And for the two of them, that probably does have to scare them. Where if Julian cannot get this core of players to work well together, especially in the beginning of the season, 
what other choices are they going to have? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And in a way, it does seem like they're desperate. But it also, in I think a way, it does I want to... Go ahead. Do you want to add on to that? No, go ahead, Jason. I'll, I'll no. go after you're done. Okay. In, in, in a way, you still have to place a lot of this on them because they've improved the offense, but yet the one big thing that management hasn't done is improve the defense. And I kind of ask myself, how can you place that on Julian? That they're pretty much waiting on a Jimmy Vesey decision right now, which is offense. But they haven't done a thing about the defense. It's incredible. And how can I kind of wonder, like, how can you blame Julian if this team is, starts off slow, especially with defense, when they haven't done anything to try to improve it? Well, that's why I, I kind of went on my my spiel last week, I mean, everyone that listened to the show or, I mean, Jason, you obviously listened to that. I, I was flipping out about the defense last week and I kind of went off topic about the prospects. They, I was like, I don't feel confident in the Bruins in their defensive game at all. And like I said, like I said last week, I understand the prices were high, but you got to get someone different in here. All they did was buy out Seinberg and they're going to give that defensive spot as of right now to a younger player, either Joe Morrow or Colin Miller. And I'm saying that's not going to do it. Last year, everyone said the defense was a question mark. We saw them play it last year, and it was awful. This year, it's not any better. And no one. But the thing was, I feel like with Bruce Cassidy is, I think the Bruins are trying to see if they Bruce Cassidy can get the best out of them, which I understand. But at the same time, you look at it and you say, from the get go, they were like, Julian's our guy. Julian's our guy. But all the reports that said if Julian got fired, that Bruce Cassidy would be the lead guy that the Bruins would go to, or he would be a top candidate for them. So I'm wondering if the Bruins are kind of putting him on the bench to see how how he reacts with the defense, with Julian, and how he acts to the NHL game to see if, if this is the role for him. Because if you remember, last year the Bruins started off terribly. Do you remember they lost like their first three? They like couldn't win a game at home, even though that continued all season long. But they were not very good at the beginning of the year last year. And people were talking about Julian's job last year. If you want, if you, I remember DJ Bean asked him about if he was feeling any pressure. And Julian kind of brushed it off. But I think if the Bruins kind of start like that again, like you said, with all the pressure from management to make the playoffs, I think Julian's on the hot seat, but it's kind of sneakily on the hot seat because no one's really talking about it because they were so, you know, dramatic in saying that he's our guy. No, and you don't you don't really see the management really defending Julian or anything. And, you know... Yes, they're keeping him, but by hiring Cassidy and firing the assistants, it's just like, you know, you. Fe- I feel like they're not going to intend on keeping Julian at the Bruins' struggle. And, and they're not doing what they need to. Need to. And again, I'm going to go back to kind of what Jimmy Murphy said a few weeks ago of how if the Bruins don't make any big moves or anything like that, they're pretty much trying to set up Julian for failure. And I still kind of agree with that point because, yes, they made moves on offense, but they haven't done enough or even close to what they need to do on defense to make this team better. I agree. I like their forwards. And it's pretty much, they, have, they made a few adjustments with the forward position, which I like. Like I said, I like, I like the forwards, but you can't – everyone knew the forwards weren't the problem last year. Yes, I know they didn't have consistency in all three or four lines, but, you know, they scored enough goals last year to make the playoffs. They were – they were top five or top ten in, goal, in goals scored last year. They were pretty much in the top five of all of last year for goals scored. So their offense was not the problem. Their power play was better last year than it's ever been. And I think that's attributed to Tori Krug and David Krejci on the back end. And I think Bergeron obviously had a stellar year on the power play also. But everyone knew it was defense. And can the Bruins contain the other team? Or can the Bruins do enough in front of Tuukka Rast you know, to clear the pucks? Can Tuukka Rast make that big save? 
It was all on the defense and goalie. It wasn't, and no one questioned the forwards. And they didn't do anything to, you know, enhance that. So I understand Jimmy Murphy's point, and, and you agree with them saying that they're setting him up for failure. But, but even still, I'm still just wondering if, if this is kind of like a tryout rendition for, for Bruce Cassidy. And to see how he handles the NHL game, see how he handles the NHL defenseman, see how he does with, you know, on the bench. I kind of feel like this is like Bruce Cassidy's time to shine. And I think if he does and he exceeds and the Bruins, you know, kind of get off slow out of the gate or miss the playoffs again, I kind of think it's Bruce Cassidy's team. And I'm not saying that it's Bruce Cassidy's team now. I know Claude Julien's there, but I just think if Claude Julien doesn't have a good year this year that Bruce Cassidy will be taking over. And I agree to a certain extent, unless if management does something about it. If management were to fire Neely and Sweeney, I could not see management with a new GM going in with Bruce Cassidy as a coach. Because I could see the oh yes, yeah, I see what you mean. Like if they if the if the whole management gets wiped out, like Sweeney and Neely are both gone. I couldn't yeah, see yeah. I couldn't see the jet. I could see the general manager, whoever that new person would be, going with his own coach. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Which wouldn't be good for Cassidy. You wouldn't be able to blame Cassidy for that. But you could see them sticking with Cassidy on the team. I just couldn't see them get take, see them making Cassidy the uh, head coach right off the bat. They have a new GM. Yeah, I definitely see what you're, a new president. I definitely see what you're saying there because usually a GM comes in and wants to pick his own coach. But um, I just think it's like kind of sneakily gone under the radar that no one's really talking about Bruce Cassidy. And I know it's it's, it's an assistant hockey coach. It usually doesn't get much recognition, but. I just kind of look at it here in Boston, kind of similar to the Red Sox. The Red Sox kind of had like John Farrell and Torrey Lavello. But not to get into too much baseball thing, I just kind of thought it was interesting that no one really talked about Bruce Cassidy being hired. And I feel like that was a good thing for us to talk about right now because there's not much out there. And I feel like Bruce Cassidy is kind of pushing Julian. I hope he's pushing Julian. And Bruce Cassidy's done a great job with Providence. And I feel like he'll have more of an impact with the younger players. And I think that's what the Bruins need, especially because Julian you know, hasn't had success with the skilled young players. You know, he coached up Bergeron, he coached up Marchand, you know, he's coached up Krejci. But I feel like with the younger skilled players, you know, a Kessel, a Sagan, a, a Dougie Hamilton, a Riley Smith, I kind of feel like they haven't really panned out with Julian. And I feel like this is why Cassidy's here. And I think it could be, it could, it could pay dividends for the Bruins. It could pay, it could pay a huge dividend for the Bruins and it all pretty much comes comes down to whether or not or not they make the playoffs and whether or not Sweeney's ballsy enough to make a move if they're struggling and from what I'm seeing they are not ballsy enough to do it and this is just from examples of the fact that they weren't making the right moves they didn't they, they traded away Boychuk they trade they didn't even bother trading away Erickson for a couple of second round picks or anything. They haven't made the right moves to help benefit this team for the future, minus the draft picks that they've made now, but those are still a couple of years away from developing. And who knows if Sweeney is still going to be there when those picks develop. The one thing I will give Sweeney a little bit of credit for, though, is even though the, we all hammered him for it last year and we thought it was the wrong thing to do, he did make acquisitions at the deadline to try and improve the team. So I feel like if this team's in it, he will try and, you know, bolster the team. But the problem with that was they weren't very good last year. And he did make some moves, but it kind of cost him in the end to go for it. And But he, you know what? If the Bruins are there, you, you can count, I think you can count on Sweeney you know, to, to look around the trade market and see if there's anyone out there for the Bruins to enhance their team. Fact, he did try to improve it, being the keywords, try. 
but they failed to recognize that the team wasn't good enough anyway to make it, and they they jeopardized the future and other moves they could have made in the future by trying to make it. They didn't make the right decision to go for it. They may have been better off not going for it and making moves towards the future going into next season. And that's where I think that they were wrong, and that's where I think that if they get in that position again, they have to make a move where they can improve this team in the immediate and towards the future rather than just in the immediate. Yeah, I agree there, but I think I think that they have too much pressure from management to make the playoffs, and I think that's a shame. And Jimmy Murphy said that too, is that you know that they have to make up their mind, and I feel like they're kind of in the middle of nowhere right now. And in that in that case, I'm going to I say again, I agree with you on that big point. It's about upper management and them wanting to get the extra couple of million dollars for having a hockey game in the playoffs rather than seeing the team go to the Stanley Cup. There's a different there's a difference in the Jacobs and Sweeney and Neely and all the way down. The Jacobs want one thing, Sweeney has a plan and Sweeney's hoping that he can get the Jacobs to agree with him to let him to get that plan to go through. And at that point I can't completely blame Sweeney if he's not given the proper chance to have his plan go through. Which way I'm giving the perspective of this is what we're hearing from management. We are hearing from management that they need to make the playoffs now or Sweeney and Neely are gone. Which isn't which we, we might not as analysts necessarily agree with that mindset, but whether or not we agree, it's what is and what upper management says, what the Jacobs say goes. I know it definitely is that's what they want. And I think it's a shame too, because you know, the Bruins don't have a good enough defense. It's the same defense as last year. The Bruins will need Corey Krug to play better than he did last year, and last year he had the most points ever as a defenseman, and I think Torrey Krug, the most minutes he's played ever as a defenseman, and last year, I think Torrey Krug stepped up and played, I think, the best he could last year. You know, the Bruins are going to need someone else to step up. We know what Kevin Miller is. I'm sorry, Kevin Miller is not going to be that much better. We know what Adam McQuaid is. So Daniel Chara is going to be 40. And then they have either John Michael Lyles is going to be 36 or 37, or he's up there in age two, and then either Joe Morrow or Colin Miller. And don't get me wrong, I love Colin Miller. I think Colin Miller has some promise. But to look at Colin Miller to be a top four defenseman next year is a pretty lofty goal. And I don't think it's going to work that way. And I think it's going to be an issue for the Bruins all season. I think, just like you said, management's putting too much pressure on them to make the playoffs now. They have no direction of what they want to do. They're trying to get younger, but at the same time trying to be competitive. But the thing I would look at is you look at the Detroit Red Wings, right? And this is a team we compare them to pretty much all of last year. You know, they can still kind of have one foot in, one foot out. But you look at Detroit, right? They've made it to the playoffs every year for the past, you know, 25 years or so. But they've only won two cups. So is it even really worth it to, you know, have one toe in, one toe out? I'm not so sure. Don't get me wrong. I'll take two cups any day of the week in 25 years. But to look at them as the model of success, you can look at it and say, there's other ways to do it. And that is true. There are definitely other ways to do it. And I was going to build off of that point because you had a pretty good point. And I was going to ask you, you know, like how many times has Detroit pretty much made it past the first round in the last four or five years alone? And is that really the model? Or is that the goal of the upper management just to get the extra couple of bucks for the because it's about money? So that, what, the Jacobs can spend money for the retirement home? Yeah, I know. In Detroit, and you have to look at it from that kind of perspective. And the Jacobs with the age that Charlie Jacobs or the age that Jeremy Jacobs is, he's thinking about his retirement home, not thinking about whether or not he cares about the Bruins winning. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I know Boston's a tough market to play. And, and obviously, since the Boston has had so much success in all their sports lately that, you know, it's championships are bust. But you know what? 
I think Bruins fans would be okay with if, you know, if Neely and Sweeney came out and said, you know what, we're going to rebuild. You know, we have, you know, the last, you know, we had a few moves that kind of cost us, you know, Sagan trade, whatever. They cost us. They bit us in the butt. You know, we're going to regroup here. We're going to worry about drafting. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to try and field a competitive team, but it's going to be a lot of younger players, you know, like Colin Miller is going to play. Frank Retrano is going to play, you know. We're going to see what we have here and go off of that. And I think fans, you know what, would have been like, you know what, okay, we won a cup, you know, in 2010. You could have gotten more, but at least they're being honest with us and saying, you know what, they're going to rebuild here. But right now, no one knows what direction they're going in. They have one foot in, one foot out. They want to get younger. They want to get quicker. Then they signed David Backus, who's not a young and quick forward. You know, he's more of a, you know, power forward. And you look at that and you just say, what, they're making these moves and they're making this move. And it's like, well, this move says they're going in one direction. This move says they're going in a different direction. And it's just like, ay ay ay, it makes your head spin. It's like, what are they doing? Which way are they going? Just be honest with the fans. The fans, I think the Bruins fans are loyal. You know, they'll stay with you. And if you tell them what the, what the process is, but no one's... No one knows what the direction this team's going in, and that's an issue. And that's true, but that's something that we saw in pretty much both of the press conferences. You know, the conference with Sweeney, with Julian, and then the one with Neely, with the ownership. You see the dysfunction, you see the discord, and that's what you're getting for a result as the way that this team is being built right now. You're getting dysfunction and discord, and as a fan going into this, I'm not too optimistic. I'm not going to sit back here and say, oh, this team could be just as good as they were last year. I'm still thinking that's possible. They could be worse than last year. If that defense doesn't get better, if Chara ages a little bit more, what are they going to do? Because there's no way of getting rid of Chara. Chara plays worse this year right off the bat than he did, he did last year. What can they do? They're stuck with his contract. They're stuck with him. Yeah, they're stuck with Chara. There's no, there's no getting out of Chara right now. He's too old. I don't think anyone's going to take him. I mean, his contract's pretty big. Even though next year it does go down to $4 million, but still, I don't think anyone's going to take Chara off $4 million, who's going to be a 41-year-old defenseman. So I don't think it's going to be able to ha- I don't think it's going to be able to happen. I think, like you said, you're stuck with Chara. But the thing is, Chara could be useful if he wasn't played as your number one defenseman. That's the problem. If Chara was used as like a five and used on the penalty kill, you know, to, to help out clear the puck or clear in front of the net and not played 20 to 25 minutes a game, I think Chara could be useful. But the problem is the Bruins' defense is so bad that he's still the number one. Can I say something really quickly and see if you just get a chuckle out of this? We heard back about, what was it, last year the Red Sox were playing with no number one pitcher. They were all number ones. Yep. This is kind of that situation. Chara's no longer a number one defenseman. So, in a way, the Bruins are playing with no number ones, and they're all considered, quote-unquote, number ones. Yeah. If you get get the joke. No, I do. I do. I get the joke. It's 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 frustrating because everyone knew going into the, the year that the defense was bad last year and they have not made any upgrades this year. But before we move on here, I just want to tell everyone that this show is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is the onslaught of big summer blockbusters. Makes this the perfect time to celebrate some of pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and objects. We've got something you can carry. Something for your kitchen and a cool figure to go with our monthly tea and pin. Featuring two Marvel team items plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z. No one crate should have all this power. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get 6-8 to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash 
CLNS and enter code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. So, Jason, as we were talking before the show, I figured that we would have some fun with the show. You know, there's not much news out there, not much Bruins news or any even NHL news to get to. So I figured, but pretty much it's July 24th right now. You know, obviously there's more room for trades later on. But as of right now, I figured it would be a good time to look at the Bruins forwards and go look at their defensemen and say, what are the lines going to be? Who's going to play with who? What's your early prediction for who plays with who? I, mean, I know that what I would do, and I saw this online on, uh, you know, Causeway Crowd, and I like these, these lines because this, this is what I was thinking in my head too. But the, I would change one thing, and I'm just going to read off of what, what Causeway Crowd has right now to kind of get your fan, get your mind going, Jason. So this one has Marshan, Bergeron, Vetrano as your first line. It has Valeski, Krejci, and Pashnik as your second line. It has Spooner, Backus, and Hayes as the third line. And this has Tyler Randall, Riley Nash, and Seth Griffith as your fourth line. And as we all know, Seth Griffith's been up and down pretty much the past two years, now an offensive guy. And the problem with, I think, this line, these lines is having Seth Griffith on the fourth line wing. And don't get me wrong, you always want offense and speed on your fourth line wing. I just feel like if you put Noel Achari in the middle and put Riley Nash on the right wing and Tyler Randall on the left wing, I think that gives you more of a balanced attack there. You know, I think Achari's good, responsible, defensive in his own, you know, takes the body, a banger. You know, Randall, I think Randall had a decent amount of goals last year for a fourth line guy and hardly even playing. I think Randall has something to his game. And if you kind of put Riley Nash there, who can do kind of everything, I feel like that would, that would be what I would do. I would have. Marshan, Bergeron, Vetrano is my top line too. I think Vetrano has a chance to break out this year. I kind of feel like if Vetrano plays with those two, you know, he can feed off them. And I think putting Krejci and Pashnik together, I think is a must. And I think I think you can kind of tear with this left wing though. I kind of feel like if you put Bolesky with Bacchus, it gives him more of you know the, the toughness and gritty line on the third line. I think I would put Spooner with Krejci and Pashnik because I feel like with Spooner, that line's a lot more offensive, and you can kind of look, look to them to score your goals. And you can put out, you know, Bolesky, Backus, and Hayes as kind of like the, the in-your-face line. So that's what I was thinking. I'd love to see what you were thinking, Jason. Well, let's see. We have the obvious. We have Bergeron, Martian, Krejci. Uh, no, Bergeron, Martian. Oh, wow. Uh we don't know how straight in line. Let's see. I would go Bergeron, Martian, Vetrano. You're right about that. Who's the, the first three? I would do uh, the first line, Krejci with Bacchus and Pasternak. Right? You put Bacchus on the wing? Yes. No, I wouldn't. What's your thought process of putting Bacchus on wing? You think? Wow. See, this is why I don't think it's going to work. Because who do you place in the third line? You would have Spooner. <laughs> you would have Spooner as your third line center, correct? Yeah, but maybe no. Maybe I would go. I would put. Wow, I don't know how I would do that. Cause it's I have a hard time figuring out. See, you're making me think of the. I'm thinking of the fly too as I'm sitting back here looking at the Bruins lineup on my phone, and. I might do it this way. Let me start over as I'm sitting here on the fly. For the yeah, first fine, line, it would be start over. Yeah. For the first line, I would place Bergeron, Martian, and Vitrano. 
in the same line. The second line, it would be Bacchus, Boleski, and Pasternak. I'll do the third line of Krejci, which is surprising, but I think with Krejci's health, you kind of have to put Krejci in that position. I would do Spooner, and I would do Hayes. Then I would do the young guys of Noah, Chari, and whoever else I choose to fit in that fourth line. Yeah, so that's I, which would be which would be Re- Achari, Riley Nash, and uh, Tyler Randall. That's interesting that you put Bacchus on the second line. I, I understand why you're doing that because you think that Krejci's injury history, you know, we, but that wouldn't even work because then, then I'm leaving Pasternak out. No, you so. said you said Pasternak with Bacchus and Boleski. That's right. I did say that. You're right. So, which I think would be pretty interesting because you know you have two bangers, two guys that will go hot to the net. You know, Pasternak's more of the skill guy. I put Pasternak with Krejci because I feel like Pasternak and Krejci have too much chemistry to, to split up. You know, they're two Czech Republic guys. And I, I would put Bolesky and Bacchus together. So I agree with you there. I think Bacchus and Bolesky together could be a force down low. I think defensemen would hate to play against them. I think it would just be a pain in the ass for everyone to play against those two guys. And I feel like if you put Bacchus and Bolesky with Hayes, this is my thought process, it could probably get Hayes going a little bit. You know, because Hayes obviously last year kind of struggled, and I think if you, you know you have Bacchus who's in your face, Bolesky's in your face type guys, I feel like it would rub off on Hayes. So that was my thought process of putting those two, putting those guys together. I agree. I agree with what you're saying completely. Uh, but I still worry about Jimmy Hayes and his offensive output, and therefore, I don't think you have like one straight consistent line. I think it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. I mean, you have the obvious is you have Bergeron and Marchand sticking together. You probably have Bacchus and Bolesky and whoever else had just put Pasternak on the first line. They'll be mixing and matching that. So it's an either-or process with this team when it comes to the offense. There's a lot of different ways they can play it. And don't get me started if we get Jimmy Vesey. I know. If we get, if we get that, we'd have to redo, obviously, all the lines. Because, you know, stuff could still happen. From, from here and now. And I think the one guy you have to look at, you know, and be con- like a young player to be concerned, if, not concerned, but, you know, to throw a wrench into our, our lines right now is if, you know, Danton Heining can make the big squad. You know, he's been one of the rumored players talked about to be able to make this team that he, lo- he looks he looks experienced. You know, he, he makes plays out there. He's a good offensive guy. So, you know, he could be, an interesting guy to keep an eye on. And I said last week that I would have no problem putting him with Bergeron and Marchand. Go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. Get your feet wet. Play with these two guys. And I know that Bergeron and Marchand, you know, play against other teams' top guys. But I feel like Bergeron and Marchand the past two years have played with whoever the hell Claude Julian put on on their line, and they've still been able to succeed. I mean, Brett Connolly was on their line for majority of the year, and Marchand and Bergeron were still producing and putting up points and playing well. I mean, if Brett Connolly can play on that line, I think Denton Heinen could. So that's why it was kind of my thought process of, like, put him with Bergeron and Marchand. And I think he could be a, a guy that could be looked at to make the team, too. Yeah, and there's there's a thousand options we can play with this. We can talk Heinen. You can talk any other young player. But with the lineup they have, there's no in the or. This, this, this offense is not set, not in the slightest. There's going to be so many different combinations we aren't going to find out any inclination until midway through the preseason. I know, and I'm pretty excited to see how the preseason lines look because 
like you said, we both just did it kind of just in a rough draft in our heads, kind of just like throwing out who's playing with who. I'm interested to see how Claude Julian does it. And obviously, you know, you'll have Bergeron and Marchand playing for the World Cup teams. You know, you have a few players playing in that. But for the most part, you can kind of get an idea of what a coach is thinking through preseason lines. So I'm excited to see that also because it'll be like, who's playing with who? who who's Krejci with, if Krejci's even enough to skate? But who's Backus playing with? You know, who's Spooner playing with? Is Spooner playing the wing or is he playing center? You know, who's Jimmy Hayes playing with? You know, is, is uh, Riley Nash playing in center or is he playing wing? It's a lot of interesting things to keep an eye on as the season comes arrive with all these forwards. Yeah, and that's what makes it exciting. What I'm more interested in is what that defense is going to look like. Well, I mean, as you know, the defense sucks. But you can look at it and say, they're probably going to do Chara and Kevin Miller again because I feel like they played together a lot last year, which kind of is annoying. And who else you got in the second pair? Uh, Tory Krug and McQuaid, I guess. I don't know. Who else are you going to put there? There's no one else really to put there. And you kind of have John Michael Lyles and Colin Miller. But you know what? Actually, let me just start over because I would put Chara with Colin Miller. Because you know what? I mean, the kid's got to learn. Roll them two together, Chara and Colin Miller. And then I would put Tory Krug and Kevin Miller. I mean, even though I don't think Kevin Miller is that good, I kind of think Tory Krug had a great year last year and really. See, I would put I would put Tory Krug with McQuaid and put Miller with Lyles. Yeah, I mean, you could do it either way. I kind of think Tory Krug and Lyles are similar players, and Miller and McQuaid are similar players, and that's the problem. You can line them up anyway. Or 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 I would bench either Miller or McQuaid and put in uh, Merle and let Merle. See, play. the thing is, I don't think Claude Julian's going to do that. That's the problem. No, he's not gutsy enough. No, of course he's not. So that's not going to happen, which is unfortunate. No, it is, but that's why the, that's why they have. I think that they could have Cassidy there because if this team struggles and Julian doesn't make the changes, somebody's gonna have to. Yeah, someone's gonna. Hopefully, someone's gonna have to because if the Bruins team defense doesn't get off to a good start, I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, this. I, but something's gotta give, right? I mean, you can't seriously go into the year with this with this defense. Well, they're going to whether we like it or not. Buying an unforeseen miracle that we don't know about. I, I mean, I've been known to believe in miracles every now and then. Yeah, I know. Take me back to 1980. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, stranger things have been possible, you know? It's happened. Not that, it's, well, I've it's seen happened them. not that it happens frequently, but you know what happens. No, I've, cer- I've certainly seen them. I can't really argue that one. Just, it's hard to believe in it with the way this team is right now. I mean... It's hard to be optimistic. It is hard to be optimistic because as as we talk about for all this all these past what year that we've been on talking about this team, it's crazy because we want this team to do well, but it's tough because you don't really see what direction they're going in. And it's just a frustrating time to be a Bruins fan right now and a Bruins commentator and a Bruins analyst. It's like it's frustrating, like you said, frustrating. And we Everyone can look at this, and everyone can talk about it. Like Jason and I have. This defense is not very good. It's not very good. This defense is not very good. But they'll go into the year with it, and, and we'll have to accept it, pretty much like you just said. It's, only, it's the only thing you can do. It is, it is what it is. It definitely is what it is. And, Jason, I want to touch on this quickly, because I, like, I don't think we have recently. And is that, did you see that the Bruins went to China? I heard about that, but I didn't really read up on it. Yeah, the, I think I think it was pretty cool that the you know the Bruins are trying to 
they sent Bolesky and Pasta to China to come. Oh, that's right. Never mind. Take it back. I saw it, that Bolesky went sliding down the Great Wall. Yeah, they were trying to grow the grow the game out there to China, which I think is a great, great strategy by the NHL slash the Bruins because, you know, if you can bring people out there and get China involved, China's a big, con- big country. You know, they're pretty big into, you know, basketball and other sports, but if you can get hockey out there, that would be huge. What If you can start getting like, Chinese hockey players involved, get, trying to get, get a Chinese, you know, nation to play hockey in the Olympics, I think that would be great. Yeah, and that's something that the NFL isn't doing that's completely different. It seems like the NHL and the Bruins are starting this one first. Yeah, they're trying to expand out there. And, like, obviously the NBA has been out there. You know, they've had some, some great, you know, some, some Chinese basketball players throughout the years, but... I think this would be a great call by the NHL. It seems to be going pretty well trying to teach the teach the Chinese players how to play um, hockey. What's I mean, you want to expand your sport. You know, hockey obviously of the major four sports is the on the bottom of the totem pole, which isn't a, wait for for diehard hockey fans. It's not an issue, but to get more people and more fans involved, I think this was a a move the NHL slash the Bruins had to make, and I think it's a great thing for the Bruins to get over there, get ahead of the game. And start, and start, you know, getting these kids inspired into playing hockey and, like, introduce them to some players so that way they can watch the game and be like, oh, I met him, oh, this game. And then once they they watch one game, I feel like they can, you know, get their buddies to watch it, get their parents to watch it, get their family members to watch it. And that's how you grow the game out there, and all of a sudden you'll start seeing kids playing over there. No, and that's what you want to see, and you'll see a few years down the road how quickly it will expand. I mean... You've seen it in other sports. I just think it's incredible to see the NHL doing it. The NHL and the, N- and the NBA are two of the smaller marketed sports when compared to football and baseball. And I think if the NHL can get China involved, it'll help when it comes to marketing too. Oh, it'll definitely help to marketing. Absolutely. I think that'd be an absolute no-brainer for the NHL to do whatever they can to get over there. Because why not get these big countries involved? You need like It doesn't make any sense because... You know, they have, obviously, the big countries like Russia, United States, Canada, but get other people around the globe involved in this great sport. I mean, look what they're doing with the uh, World Cup of Hockey. I mean, that's what it's about, getting the world involved. Absolutely, it's definitely about getting the world involved. And and you look at NHL players now, right, in the NHL landscape, you know, there's players from from Florida now. The Florida teams that we've already talked about on the show are, are, are doing well. Tampa Bay made it to the Cup last year. Florida's made some, I mean, made it to the Cup two years ago. Lost in the conference finals last year. Florida Panthers are making some moves. You know, you had L.A. win the Cup a few years in California. You know, you had the Ducks who were good. You have the Sharks in the Stanley Cup last year. And you now you have players that are watching this. Now we have a team going to Las Vegas. There's a team in Arizona. Austin Matthews was his number one pick in last year's draft from the United States from Arizona. You have all these warm climate states now producing hockey players. So I feel like you can expand globally into, you know, places that aren't known for hockey and you can produce good players. It's pretty much been seen now in the NHL. And, and yes, you see it all over the world. Look, you know, Russia and Sweden and Finland and all the other countries are big in hockey, but you know, bringing hockey to China and bring hockey to some, to the other nations, it's, it'll, it'll be huge. Yeah. Did you see that video of Bolesky taking that slide or whatever he did that ride? I didn't watch it, but I'm sure it would have been a pretty long ride. It, it looks pretty cool. It looks pretty interesting. I was, it definitely looked like it's something something we should do, and he also got a tattoo out there. Freak. I would, I would, if I had the opportunity to do it, I would totally do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You can't say no to that. It, it looked pretty cool. I would advise watching it if you have a minute. I thought it was pretty cool. 
I'll take a look at it for sure. All right, and before before we get into you know the actually the one thing that did happen with the Bruins this past week, but the one thing, the, a couple of things I want to touch on quickly is you know Luke Shen, the defenseman that we kind of talked about on the show a little bit, actually signed with the Arizona Coyotes for you know a two year, two point five million dollar contract, and you look at that and you say that's like nothing for money, and if the Bruins could have just let, I mean, Kevin Miller go. It would have been, I think it would have been a no-brainer to bring in Luke Shen for this amount of money. They're pretty similar players. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just me. I don't, I don't know. No, and I agree completely. Luke Shen was another one of those names. Like, how many names are we going to hear associated with the Bruins that the Bruins keep on passing up? Right. Well, I think the Bruins already have enough players that are like him. But the problem was, if you let Kevin Miller go, you can sign him for cheaper. And I think he does the same exact things as Kevin Miller. And you don't have to give him four years. He has two years. So that way you can say, you know, we signed Luke Shen for two years, good, solid defenseman, you know, will play the penalty kill, you know, rugged defenseman, you know, works hard, you know, loves to take the body. And you say, yeah, two-year contract, you know, it gives us a, gives us a few years for our young defenseman to get accustomed to the NHL. Boom. But no, you signed Kevin Miller for four years. I don't get it. This would have been perfect for the Bruins to do. Perfect. And now he's in Arizona. It's, it's no, it's, like I said, I don't really have any, any any more words to describe how frustrating it is to see what the Bruins are doing. It is definitely frustrating to see because, you know, it could have been something the Bruins could have used. And uh, I, mean, I don't want to keep talking about the Bruins defense. But anyways, another thing that did happen was Austin Matthews, the first overall pick, as I just mentioned, signed his entry-level contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch Matthews this year. Obviously, he's going to be within the division. So we'll be able to see Matthews quite a bit. And I'm interested to see how he plays. You know, a young player, you know, was obviously the consensus number one pick in the draft. But, you know, McDavid, obviously, Eichel last year, you know, Panarin. There was a lot of good rookies last year. So, interesting to see how Matthews does because I feel like rookies are coming in now and playing pretty well compared to, like, old times when you had, uh, you know, you'd kind of let them blossom, you know, take their time. I feel like now they're coming in and producing right away. Yeah, and I think Matthews is going to lay it up. I think Patrick Lane is going to lay it up. I think that those first two picks, I'd watch out for Patrick Lane the most. Yeah, I think so. I think so too because I think you know he's a good sniper, he's a good shot. You know, he's going to. I think he's going to a better situation where he can play with you know, like Blake Wheeler. And you know, I don't think Austin Matthews has a Blake Wheeler type player on the Maple Leafs. No offense, I think James Reimsek's a great player, but I mean Blake Wheeler was in a, you know, Mike Shifley, uh, Dustin Bufflin in Winnipeg. There's a lot of I think, better pieces in Winnipeg for him to succeed more. Yes, and he's in a better setup with a better um, coaching build. Toronto's got that tendency to struggle. And, you know, you watch some of these young players coming into Toronto and some of them struggle. But it seems like, you know, some of these players in Toronto last season, they showed a lot of upside. And you, you hope that Toronto improves, but I think that Toronto as a team will struggle, but Matthews will have a good year. Yeah, and the Rangers also made some signings. The Rangers signed uh, J.T. Miller. They signed Chris Kreider. And they also signed Kevin Hayes. They're pretty much all signed for right now. They're, and they also made a trade. You know, Derek Broussard for Mika Zibanejad to Ottawa Senators. And, this, and obviously there was some draft picks involved. But this kind of, like, made my head, you know, shake a little bit. And I think it's a great trade for the New York Rangers. And don't get me wrong, I think Derek Broussard is a good player. But Zabinijad is 23 years old. Broussard's 28. 
is five years younger. Broussard also had only seven more points. I think there's room to grow for Zabinijad, where I think Broussard kind of, you know, had his peak season last year. And I'm not trying to knock Broussard at all, but I just think that if you're the Rangers, you can got you got younger. I think you got quicker, and I think Broussard kind of hit his ceiling. And when you, if you're Ottawa, why would you make this trade? Because you look at it and you say, Dark Broussard, good player, but Zabinijad was just as capable as doing what Broussard did. And I don't think Ottawa's in a position to win it all right now. It was just one of those moves I looked at and I said, wow, why would they do such a thing? And I don't know. Maybe Ottawa sees that they're in win-now mode, but I don't see Ottawa to miss the playoffs last year. And yeah, they made it two years ago, but they were like eight seed. They weren't anything special. I don't think Ottawa's on the, the rise right now. I don't. I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team with a few good pieces, but I don't think they were a, a cup contender. And I, I think New York won that trade easily. Zibanejad is a great young player. I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching him play against the Bruins. He saw his name come up on the scoreboard a lot. He was always making a presence. And Derek Broussard's been back and forth. He hasn't been on the, in the uh, Rangers his entire career. He was still part of that Rick Nash trade. So now he's on his third team as he's getting older. Yeah, I just thought there Sure, he could have a good season, but he's not going to be better than what Zibanejad's upside is. Yeah, that's... New York easily won Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Zibanejad's a young, up-and-coming center. I don't know why Ottawa will just get rid of him. Unless there's something behind the scenes. Unless, it's a, unless if it was a salary dump of some sort, or it was for prospects or something like that. I, I couldn't figure out why they would dump him. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just That was one of the things that kind of made me shake my head. And But good for, good for I think, the Bruins, because I don't think that... I think Zibanejad, like you said, was... Always killing the Bruins, scoring these big goals. Yeah, and now we don't have to play against him that often, only when he's in New York. Yeah, which is which is better. But, I mean, better for the Bruins because it's in the Bruins division. But, obviously, Boston pe- Boston fans always have a better thing with New York. But that's, that's another story for another day. And the last thing of, of stuff that I think happened that's pretty significant is Evander Kane arrested in Buffalo. And this, kid, this kind of kid can't stay out of trouble. Well, it's pretty clear he's not happy in Buffalo. I mean, clearly, if the guy's getting arrested. But he, I don't know. I heard this joke come on. There's, there's something about the Canes in Buffalo because Patrick Kane had to deal with issues with Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo too. <laughs> I saw that. I saw something about that pop up on Facebook the other day, and I just chuckled. I said, "Yeah, the Canes in Buffalo." Canes in Buffalo. I don't know what it is, but the NHL usually does a good job of not having these type of situations come up where. Where players are getting into trouble, you know, you look at all the sports like the NFL. It happens like every other week where a player is getting arrested or a player is doing this. But I feel like the NHL does a good job of not getting into trouble. I mean, this obviously is a big story, but I think it makes the NHL look a little bit bad right now. Evander Kane, get your act together. I mean, he turned himself in, which is good, but still, why would you even have to, yeah, four four counts of non-criminal harassment and a misdemeanor trespassing? What the hell are you doing? Keep your head on straight. Was this kid hanging out with like a bunch of meatheads or something? You're 24 years old. Grow up a little bit now. I can see if you're 20 years old, but you're 24 now. Come on. Get with the program. You've, you've been around the game a long. You've been around the NHL locker rooms. You know what's expected of you now. Figure it out. He's, o- he's only 24? Yeah. He's a young, he's a young buck. Wow. But still, he's been around. He's younger than me. Yeah, but he's been, <laughs> but he's been around in the NHL for like... He's forever. Yeah. At least six years. He's been around, been around since he was 18. Yeah, so he should, he should know what's expected of him now. He should be mature. That's all I'm getting at. That's just a tough break for Buffalo. Yeah, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But if any Kane was arrested, we'll have to see if he's suspended by the NHL or if he's doing any jail time, I guess. I don't know. 
I get no. He might. He might be. You know, he might escape because he's a hockey player, and you know how the justice system works. Yeah, but the last thing I want to talk about briefly before we wrap up today's show is uh, the the NHL announced their schedules this year for uh, national broadcast on NBC Sports Network. Excuse me, NBC Sports Network and NBC. The NHL is a great partnership with them. You know, every Wednesday night they do Wednesday night rivalry. You know, they have other games sprinkled in on Tuesdays and th- you know Mondays and Sundays, but. Uh, the Bruins are part of 17, 16 or 17, uh, 16, excuse me, of either NBC or NBC Sports Network, which is pretty crazy because the Bruins had actually only had 12 last year, and they've gotten four more games on NBC and NBCSN. So we'll be able to see our Boston Bruins on, on national television a lot. Their first one is October 26th at New York Rangers on Wednesday Night Rivalry. Just to throw out a couple of them in there, they'll be at at Pittsburgh for Wednesday Night Rivalry on December 14th. Uh, you know, November 22nd against St. Louis will be David Baggins' first time facing his former team. Uh, Sunday, February 12th against Montreal. Sunday, February 19th at San Jose. Obviously, the San Jose was the Western Conference champion. Uh, Sunday, this is gonna be, I think this is an interesting one. Sunday, February 26th, the Bruins get the matinee day against the Dallas Stars. And Tyler Sagan. So I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on, obviously. Uh, the Bruins also will be playing the Chicago Blackhawks April 2nd at Chicago on NBC. As you know, this year the Bruins got you know obliterated on NBC against Chicago this year. And the last day of the last game of the year for the Bruins, Saturday, April 8th, at home against Washington on NBC. So a lot of games to look forward to this year on the NBC. I mean, I think they picked, they did a good job of picking all the, the Bruins, obviously, best. American opponents. And the thing that bothers me about this is everyone will be like, oh, they don't have Canadian teams on here. It's because NBC and NBCSN don't really broadcast in Canada. They have it for the American folks to watch. So the Bruins will be on NBC and NBCSN quite a bit this year, and I'm pretty excited about that because every once in a while you need a break from Jack Edwards. True, we all we all need a break from Jack Edwards once in a while, but Jack Edwards is one of my favorite show hosts because of his passion so I like I'd rather hear Jack Edwards over Pierre McGuire any day. Yeah, but so I mean that's just my personal preference. Obviously, everyone's different, but I think it's great the Bruins are on NBC SN this much. I mean, I like watching NBC games personally, but so we'll have to wait and see how it, pl- it plays out. But you know, the Bruins didn't fare pretty well last year in playing on the home ice or on NBC. So hopefully, they should they can have a better record. Yeah, no. Hopefully, hopefully they do play a lot of home, a lot better on home ice. That is a really good point. I mean, it was a tough season for the Bruins fans last season. Absolutely, it was. But that will conclude our episode of Bruins Beat Thirty Nine. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Mike Twenty Two at Jason Buckley Ninety One. You can also follow us on our Bruins account at Bruins underscore Beat on Twitter. I have the login. I always answer people when they tweet at us. I always answer up my personal account as well. And I know that Jason does also. And uh, you can also find us on uh, iTunes, right, Jason? Yes, you can find us on iTunes at Boston Bruins Beat Podcast. I'm also going to announce that we're going to enter a new segment to the show starting next week. We're going to bring Joe Gill back for a 10-minute, pretty much like Joe Haggerty segment, where we do a mailbag of questions, and he'll, he'll get to answer the questions for him and his fan page. 
Yeah, we're excited about that also. You know, Joe Gill was great when he came on with us, you know, talked about a bunch of stuff with him. So we're excited about that to add him next week. Next week will just be Jason and I again as Kevin will still be on vacation. But once Kevin comes back, you know, we'll get him right back into the group of things and we'll be hopefully ready to go for this upcoming season, which, you know, is you know, two, two and a half months away. About that, but the season's going to begin once training camp starts, or I'm going to say it once Jimmy Vesey figures out where he's going. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say once, you know, I'll be back in, I think, hockey mode officially when the World Cup of Hockey is pretty much underway. So that's when, I, right. that's when I'm looking forward to, middle, middle of September, when we start getting some real passionate hockey games, and I can't wait for that. No, I can't wait to just start debating hockey again. Hopefully, you know, hopefully I end up wrong this year when I say the Bruins don't make the playoffs. Yeah, well, well, Just kidding, I'm not making that prediction just yet. Yeah, we'll have those predictions for a different day. But uh, I'm Mike, he's Jason, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.